This is LBC with Matt Fry. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Okay, it's that time of the morning uh, when there's a huge story involving the United States that we go to the other side of the ocean to Simon Marks, our correspondent in Washington, who as ever is up bright and early. Simon, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Matt. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. And and it's good to hear your voice again. We spoke this time last week. Uh, President Biden had had a pretty bad week then. It has got a lot worse now, hasn't it? Yeah, without question. I mean, this was exactly the set of circumstances that President Biden and his entire national security staff had absolutely... It was the last set of circumstances they wanted to have to confront. It's apparent that there was intelligence for several days uh, suggesting that an attack on the airport was imminent uh, to the point where the American, British and Australian governments put a security alert out on Wednesday night warning of its imminence and telling uh, foreign nationals as well as anyone else who heard the alert to avoid the airport. And then, of course... Uh, it occurred. And, you know, the appearance of many of these senior figures, including President Biden at uh, that press conference, uh, is of men and women who have been deeply emotionally and psychologically, I think, seared and scarred by the experiences of the last two weeks. I mean, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, uh, briefed reporters on Wednesday before the attack on the airport and honestly was a man who could barely hold it together behind the podium. He was already clearly not sleeping under extraordinary amounts of psychological and emotional strain. We've seen the same from National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. We've seen it from Deputy Secretary of State uh, Wendy Sherman, deeply affected by the impact of all of this on Afghan women and girls in particular because she's worked uh, side by side Mm. with many of them over the years. And then President Biden, whose presidency, certainly up until now, in many ways, I think is going to be defined by that now iconic image of him with his head in his clasped hands, his eyes closed behind the podium uh, at the White House in the East Room. He was actually simply listening to a question at the time. But as ever with these images, it was it, it, it translates as an image of a grief-stricken president at a moment of unparalleled tension, certainly in his experience as President of the United States. And so we've had this drone strike overnight from the United States. He, you know, he, he was good to his word, we're going to go after these people, we're going to hunt them down. They apparently got one um, ISIS planner um, somewhere outside Kabul. First of all, what do we know about the strike in terms of details? And secondly, Does this convince the American audience that, uh, you know, America is fighting back against this enemy? Well, we don't know much about the strike. We know that they say it was successful and they believe that it eliminated what they refer to as an ISIS-K planner. President Biden himself in that press conference uh, said that they had a pretty good idea of who they were going to go after, so that was an indication that some kind of an operation was going to occur. They say they don't believe there were any civilian casualties arising out of what I think we have to presume was a precision uh, airstrike. Uh, This is an example of the counter-terrorism operations that people in the Biden administration and you heard PJ Crowley talking about it in the in the last segment 
say America is perfectly positioned to engage in. And this is why President Biden says you don't need boots on the ground in Afghanistan, because you can identify these targets and with precision using drones or any of your other high-grade military equipment, you can go after them and you can remove them from the field of battle. The difficulty with that, first of all, over the short term, is that once again it's turned the airport into an even greater sitting duck for a target, a reprisal uh, attack between now and Tuesday when US forces and the lucky Americans, other foreign and nationals and Afghans finally leave, you know, the final departure. Mm. But secondly, in an environment in which you have now lost everything in Afghanistan, including $85 billion of weaponry that you supplied to the Afghan military, you're now on the ground in Afghanistan dark especially if you are betraying tens of thousands of Afghans whom you promised a new life in the United States and who you are now about to leave at the mercy of the Taliban, who in some cases now have their names because they were given their names by the United States over uh, the last few days, and, in our, and then also at the mercy of ISIS-K, a terror group that appears to be able to act with impunity in Afghanistan, even though you, President Biden within the last month have told the American people that you have cleansed Afghanistan of the opportunity to act as a haven for terrorism. So there are contradictions inherent in all of this, tremendous dangers, and your intelligence community has just gone absolutely dark in Afghanistan because which U.S. source or U.S. assistant having been left behind and betrayed by you, is going to view you as a good mm. bet to continue providing information and intelligence to. But what is the impact of all this on the heartland America? Do Americans watching this on their television screen say, you know, the events of the last few weeks, the, the chaos around the airport, the bomb on Thursday night, proves the point that we need to get out of there as quickly as possible, or are they embarrassed by the, the hasty, unseemly nature of America's very quick exit after this longest war? I think it's too early to know. I think that there are undoubtedly going to be people who say, we had to get out, it was always going to be messy. I mean, we've seen the wagon circle around Joe Biden this week uh, on various platforms with this argument that it was always going to be messy, we had to get out, it was Donald Trump's fault for signing the deal with the Taliban, Americans don't really care about Afghanistan. And there may be some degree of truth to all of those claims. Mm. However, it is, as you were discussing with PJ Crowley, the pace with which this was done and... Republicans in the weeks and months ahead, and some Democrats, are going to argue also the breathtaking scale of the irresponsibility with which this is done. And that's why I think it's too early to know precisely what the impact is in the minds of the American voter. We're going to go into months now, possibly years, of congressional hearings that will focus at least on two central issues. Why did you give up Bugram? You had a heavily fortified airbase. You knew, whether it was over the short, medium or long term, there was a chance you were going to evacuate, have to evacuate people. Why did you leave yourself with no route out of the country by slinking out of that airbase in the middle of July? And the answer to that question has already actually been provided by General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who says he simply wasn't given enough resources to maintain both Bagram 
and the American embassy in Kabul, and yeah. one of them had to go. So it was Bagram. And then the second issue they're going to go after is this $85 billion of weaponry. Yeah. It's not difficult for the American public to understand that the United States government has just equipped its enemy, the Taliban, <laughs> with, with a fabulous army. I mean, a fabulous weaponry. Of gear. Yeah. So I think that those issues will cause relentless amounts of damage to, to the Biden presidency. As these congressional hearings and investigations right. get underway for months to come, and and I know that uh, President Trump laid the groundwork for this departure because he did a deal with the Taliban last year over the heads um, of the Afghan government. And to what extent are Republicans now seizing on Biden's woes with a degree of credibility? Well, you've got two camps. You've got the Republicans that are seizing on Biden's woes with a degree of credibility and carefully crafting the arguments that they will mount in those congressional hearings and then subsequently publicly that focus on the tactical errors that were made. And there are massive tactical errors that were made. And then you've got you know, the less responsible Republicans like Donald Trump spouting gibberish on Fox News the other night about ISIS-X <laughs> because he clearly <laughs> doesn't know it's called ISIS-K yeah. and whether someone passes him a note or oh, he realises Oh, he's ahead it. of the game, Simon. You oh, just wait, don't I mean, know. So then he tries to turn it to his own advantage and says, oh, it's ISIS-K, but any minute now <laughs> there'll be ISIS-X ISIS -X and it's going to be even bigger and more powerful. So you've got all of that nonsense going on. And, and, and the other argument that is coming here is going to be about immigration. Thousands of Afghans, we already know, I, f I forget the number, they put the number out last night, I think it's at least 7,000 Afghans have already arrived on American soil. There are obviously tens of thousands more that want to come to the United States and we're already seeing Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, Republican, uh, flying over army bases uh, with cameras in tow where these Afghans are going to be housed, saying it's a disgrace and they need to be held in third countries for as long as possible until every Every single one of them is security vetted. Mm. And that's another ticking time bomb of a nightmare for the Biden administration. You bring someone here who you haven't adequately vetted and they mount any kind of terror strike in the United States. And that is also going to come back to haunt you. So uh, those are the two areas that the Republicans are simultaneously preparing to occupy. And finally and briefly, Simon, how can President uh, Joe Biden turn any of this to his advantage? What, what are the words that he needs to find that will restore faith in his administration? Well, uh, the words that he will hope to find on the 20th anniversary of September the 11th, which, remember, is exactly. the date oh. by which he said he wanted all this wrapped up, will be, it was messy, we obviously mourn the loss of life, but this has been the most consequential humanitarian airlift in modern human history. They've, you know, credit where it's due. They've brought 100,000 people out of Afghanistan, along, of course, with the brave support of the Brits and others, in 14 days. And they're still bringing them out. So I think he's going to focus on that and tell the American people we can still commemorate the 20 years of sacrifice and that it wasn't a waste, but now we've got smarter weaponry, we've got smarter ways of defending the US against terrorism and that's what we're going to do. Simon Marks, LBC's Washington correspondent as ever, thank you very much, have a great weekend. I'm Matt Fry, this is LBC, the time is 12.46.